You're listening to Vitamin PhD, a podcast from Boston University delivering career narratives and know-hows to supplement your doctoral studies. So today we wrap up the management and leadership season of BU's Vitamin PhD podcast. Thank you for joining us in these last few episodes. While Emma and I are sad to go, we're thrilled to introduce the host for our next season, Tachira and Grace. Welcome Tachira and Grace. Um, I would love it if you could both introduce yourselves. Um, Tell us a little bit about your background at BU and what brought you to the Vitamin PhD podcast. Sure. So hi, everyone. I'm Thachida Pachardo. I'm a fourth year doctoral candidate in molecular and translational medicine at the Boston University School of Medicine. And I heard about Vitamin PhD. Actually, I was a guest on a previous season and I just thought it was super cool and really liked that they got to answer a bunch of really interesting questions and have really interesting conversations. And I thought I'd like to see sort of what the other side of that was. And so that's what drew me to uh, deciding to be a co-host. That's great. Um, I'm Grace McGowan. I'm a fourth year PhD candidate in American studies. Um, I heard about Vitamin PhD through my Instagram. Um, so I have like a PhD Instagram at PH doing my damn best. Um, and so I was sort of like interacting with a lot of the promotional uh, material that was being put out by the um, PDPA um, account and so then the office reached out to me and they were like you seem keen <laughs> would you like to um, co-host this season and I said that sounds great um, so that's how I sort of got involved. Well to, to start out I'd love if you would just tell us a little bit about your season just the big picture here and then we'll dig into it a bit more as we go on. Sure. So our season is on um, one of the core capacities um, as part of the professional development program um, at BU. And so we are looking specifically at ideas of self-awareness. So the big picture that we are sort of um, implementing in this season is having guests that approach self-awareness in different ways. Um, So self-awareness in terms of like your bodily self-awareness, self-awareness in terms of your mental health in grad school, self-awareness in terms of um, your finances. Um, and so exercising self-awareness in in these different ways. And so we have um, six episodes. One is a two-part. Um, so there are five different avenues to thinking about self-awareness. Tachira, would you like to add anything? Sure. I think our self-awareness season, um, Grace did a great job explaining it, but for me, it's been really fun to record as someone who's involved in STEM. I don't necessarily, in my day-to-day, I think, think about some of these larger big big picture questions that we're asking sort of in our season. And so that for me has been really fun and interesting to think about my own work um, in this you know new perspective that I don't usually get to engage. That's fantastic. Um, so our season was on management and leadership. And so we would love to ask you some questions and tie in your season and you and your experiences as a PhD student with management and leadership. So to start, um, I would love if you would both answer the question, what makes a good leader? Um, Yeah, so I don't know, this is something I think that's so glad that you guys asked and not to 
you know, plug our own season too much, but I definitely think self-awareness is really just so critical in leadership and really understanding sort of where are your own strengths and weaknesses and how that relates to the strengths and weaknesses of the members of your team, of your organization, of whatever group that you happen to be leading or managing, um, and really understanding in terms of where you have deficits or weaknesses, what other people can you bring in to help your trainees, your group members, or again, whatever other group you're a part of. Um, and so for me, I think as I've been recording the season of vitamin PhD, it's something that I've started to incorporate in my own professional life, not only in the lab as I mentor rotation students and more junior trainees, but also as the president of the Minority and International Scientists Organization. So definitely has been super fun again to record this season for me and really implement this core capacity in my own life. I don't have um, as much leadership um, experiences to cheer my my sort of most recent example is um, I uh, recently like in the past year founded um, and been leading a graduate student journal out of our um, home program at ampersand we call it ampersand so out of American studies um, and I think I've learned a lot about um, leading and managing a project where other people are involved I am the classic grad student, humanities grad student anyway, in a lot of ways in that um, my uh, teamwork and leadership skills could always use some work. Um, I'm very used to working by myself. Um, and so I think one of the things that I've learned that makes a good leader is um, open and uh, consistent communication and also just being magnanimous. So I like try to make it so that all of our successes are shared and uh, the failures are mine. <laughs> with a team. I think that that is like there because ultimately the the buck stops with you. Um, and so I think that it is good to recognize when a team makes things happen and it's good to realize when your uh, when things don't go as planned to take responsibility for that um, and not give in to the impulse of um, uh, you know, sort of sh sharing that kind of blame around as well. I think it makes you uh, it makes you a better project manager. Well, let me just say it's wonderful for you to plug the season. That's why you're here. And I also have appreciated how in different ways in both of your responses, you've modeled the self-awareness that we look forward to learning more about you from on your season and the different in the in the really different ways you've set us up well for this next question, moving into thinking about management um, about the ways in which leadership and management and, and these skills that I'll give you a chance to speak more to show up across a wide variety of work, right? Whether it's founding a journal, whether it's working more on your own or managing projects um, or leading in these student organizations and all the work that you've done to Chira. So to build on that, um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about the skills that you think a good manager possesses specifically. And this could be um, managing projects, managing teams, managing your own time, however this shows up in your work. That's a little bit of a tough one. I think I'm still working on it. Um, I think one of the skills that I've had to really learn how to implement in a new way has been listening. And so not only listening to what my team members or somebody that I'm mentoring is saying, but also listening to what they're not saying which really I feel like I've been using that to get a little bit more of an insight on maybe areas where somebody is struggling and not necessarily comfortable speaking up or things that, you know, someone is making an assumption about that I haven't communicated clearly enough that, you know, that is the expectation or may not be the expectation there. 
Um, and so I think really listening, again, to what's said and not said really has been helping me lately avoid miscommunications. And really when miscommunications arise, sort of tracing back, okay, where did that start and how could I have been more clear in terms of making sure that the expectations were understood in both ways, what was expected of me as a manager, but also what I was expecting from this person or group. Yeah, and I think um, one of the skills that is important with any kind of management from like small to like large scale is like having the ability to uh, work at several different kinds of conceptual levels. So being both like a sort of visionary and having an idea, but also being very detail oriented and being able to practically like bring about a deliverable. Um, And often, at least in grad school, people will own that they are more on one side of that spectrum than the other. Um, And so bringing yourself closer to the middle, um, or at least like uh, Tachira said, like having people in your team that complement where you are, you know, where you find your lack. I'm definitely a big picture visionary person. I want to, you know, think about, you know, big ideas and maybe not always be so practical. So it's always great when I like team up with people or seek out to get people on board specifically who I know are very good at catching details and very good at things like scheduling and keeping up with emails and things that I'm not always on top of. Something that Ali and I have talked about a lot, maybe not in our season, but offline, is the difference between project management and time management and the dichotomy between um, being a PhD student and managing your time, whereas where something that might be good time management Um, might not relate to good project management and people management. Um, So in your PhD, how have you worked on building time management skills? Um, I have lots of advice on this. Um, So one of them is uh, finding someone to answer to, find some accountability somewhere like it's just you're if you're expecting to be your own time management or timekeeper you're setting yourself an almost impossible task like there are people who can do it but like why put that pressure on yourself to be that disciplined utilize your advisor put your deadlines in writing send emails to them and tell them when they can expect things set up writing groups in person online or someone you call at the end of the week and you update them like it doesn't matter like whatever works for you and then the third thing I do on the daily is I have a sticker chart. And so if I write my 250 to 500 words, I get a sticker chart. And that one of the things about time management, which most people who you know work on big projects will tell you, is it's not about doing the big thing. It's about doing the small things consistently. And so if you can find a way to implement a system that keeps you doing small things consistently, you will be like well on your way to time management. I mean, 250 words a day, even if you account for breaks is like 70,000 words a year or something crazy. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's really great advice. I might start implementing the sticker chart myself. Um, I think for me, time management is something I've definitely really struggled with um, just in terms of even before my PhD program. Um, My situation is a little different just because every day in the lab looks a little different. And so some days you know, I'm just doing a literature review for a few hours and then might, you know, log off and and not do anything else. And then other days I'm doing a 12 or 14 hour experiment. And so it's a little challenging to set up consistent 
time management habits because my days are so inconsistent. Um, but I think what I've been doing recently is forcing myself to start multiple things a day, like Grace said, just a few small things. And so only working, for example, for two hours on this one thing and then forcing myself to switch to something else because um, I can get into these... Oops. I can get into these sort of periods of time where I'm only working on one aspect of my project. And then I sort of pull my head up and I realize, oh my gosh, there was three other things that I haven't done yet or I haven't moved forward in any significant way. Um, so on the days that I'm not in lab and I you know, have the luxury of working from home, I definitely started forcing myself to, like Grace said, just start small things every day. And really over time, those make progress that I wasn't making before. Yeah, these are great tips. And I feel like there's some, at least in my experience, that it's helpful to gain new approaches because sometimes something works for you for a while and then you kind of run it out. So um, I'm too taking some notes over here. So I want to loop back to another aspect of management and give you a chance to speak about project management skills that you've developed. Again, recognizing how diverse your, your work can be as a doctoral candidate, whether you're in the lab or writing a dissertation solo at home or whatever it might be. Um, but I think the diversity of experiences that you have in your own fields and experiences are helpful to giving us some different approaches to successful project management. Sure. So something that um, I didn't realize I was doing in the start of my PhD, but that actually I find has served me really well now as a fourth year, um, is that I would just write a ton of ideas down. When I would read papers or attend seminars, talks, conferences, I would write ideas down that I would have for my, my own project and my own thesis. And I found recently that kind of without even meaning to, a lot of the aims of my thesis have evolved from those original questions or things that I was excited and curious about, um, which to me was a little gratifying. So it's like, oh, I'm like on the right page. So I think that's something that I, to generalize, maybe can call just like curiosity and really not sticking just to the bounds of what you're currently working on, but every now and again, pausing to think about the big picture of where your project is going and sort of how the work that you've done in the last six months, a year relates to those initial questions and initial curiosities that you've had. I think, I think my biggest piece of advice or the thing that I've come to learn in writing the dissertation, which is like the biggest project to date that I've worked on is you need to schedule everything like there is a, and I can only speak to the humanities, but like there's definitely a belief in coursework or in the lead up to comprehensive exams, there is a belief that one day you'll be on the other side of the mountain and all you'll have to do is write. That is not, for me, like that is not a helpful way to look at it. First of all, what is writing? <laughs> like that looks different every single day. So my advice is like, you know, schedule your time, ring fence your time, particularly for your dissertation. This is also where sort of having a writing group comes in half, like comes in handy because I'm like, well, I know for two hours on Tuesday and two hours on Wednesday, I meet my dissertation writing group and we do dissertation stuff. So at the very, very least every week, there's four hours of dissertation work being done. Then, you know, you never only have the dissertation, you know, you're going to be juggling, you know, you might be doing publications, you might be working on journal articles, you might be doing a podcast, you might be, you know, handling admin or drafting syllabi, or, you know, there's all of this other stuff that's going on. And later in the, the sort of process, also job applications. And so actually being realistic, get yourself like what I what I decided to do is I got myself like a weekly calendar that was like a dry erase. And I put in my, you know, concrete, um, weekly, commitments and then I could see how much space or how much space there wasn't 
to either slot other things around or to be realistic and be like, well, if there's absolutely no white space left on this calendar, there's nothing else I can slot in this week without, you know, overworking myself or making myself ill. Um, So I think like if you're a visual person, like get yourself a way to look at it that way. Otherwise, just keep your planner, schedule out things, even if you think to yourself, oh, well, I, I know I have to work on my dissertation every day. Say you're going to do it from a particular time, set a timer, listen to a YouTube playlist that's two hours long, whatever it needs to be. But if you if you have that sort of scheduling mindset, um, I think it'll sort of like help keep you on track. What have you found most effective when managing a team? And that could be mentoring students, um, that could be teaching a course um, or managing in some other capacity. So if each of you could speak to that, that would be great. Well, part of um, what you might be getting from my uh, from the sort of answers I've already given is somewhat of like my management persona, right? Or like my management personality is that um, I'm a big I'm a big picture visionary person, and I'm very dependent on schedules. And so what I do when I'm like managing a team is that I'm I set my expectations at the beginning. Um, so every email has what is happening after that email on it and when it's happening. Um, So we're never just like going back and forward with no idea of like what is coming next. Um, And so that has been helpful, I think, because um, it keeps people sort of on pace with me instead of me assuming they're going to read my mind and know what I think is going to come next. It also (laughs) is helpful for me sometimes when I'm like writing these emails and I hear or like I hear in my mind how ludicrous what I'm asking other people to do signs because, you know, I, I I have these like ridiculously high standards and I like do these things that I it's perfectly fine for me to. Well, I probably shouldn't ask myself to do it either, but it's one thing to ask yourself to do these things. And it's another thing to be on like the fourth paragraph of an email to someone who is like working with you on a project and then you're starting to realize that maybe that you're not the best person to work with. So uh, you're going to have to like dial back what you're asking them to do and adjust your timeline accordingly. So I think like having expectations set out in advance and keeping touching base in, in your emails or, you know, whatever meetings, you know, if you're having in-person meetings in the minutes, like make it very obvious what deliverables have to happen next and when they have to happen by And if you hear that the list is becoming endless, think about bringing more people on board or think about adjusting your timeline so that um, the people that you work with aren't feeling uh, put upon. I think something that I've been doing recently um, that has really sort of changed my leadership style is allowing other people to be leaders. Um, I think that I sometimes am in independent to a fault. And I have this mentality of where, you know, if you want something done right, you just do it yourself. Um, and I think that in certain scenarios that has extended to tra- uh, mentoring trainees or like leading group organizations and things like that, where I sort of expect people to do things the exact same way that I personally would do them. And then of course there's just miscommunications, misplaced expectations and all of those sticky situations um, that happen really just naturally and through, you know, no one person's fault most of the time. Um, But sort of having that perspective shift of, okay, well, this person is in this role for a reason and really allowing them to sort of organically lead in that role, I think has just really done wonders for the different groups that I'm a part of. And really um, a lot of times people come up with better ways to do things that, you know, I, 
only think of it this one way and they have a different perspective, which is, you know, why we're part of a group in the first place, all working together. So I think sort of letting go a little bit as like to me, antithetical to leadership as that sounds, I think really allowing people to independently become leaders, you know, with a little nudging if they need it um, has definitely really been something that I'm happy to have implemented recently. And I also think that Grace's comment earlier of owning failures and sharing uh, successes is definitely something I'm going to carry forward um, after this conversation. Thank you so much for these wonderful contributions. And I think I'm just reflecting on the last few minutes of this conversation and the ways that you've both kind of modeled practical tips that our listeners and us that we can take home, as well as the broader, the broader kind of larger questions of, of how we show up. And I think if we go back to opening our conversation today, I'm reminded of your topic of self-awareness and the ways that you've sort of modeled that. And so we'd like to give you a chance to tell us a little bit now about your season. What part of your season are you most excited to share with our listeners and what has been your favorite part hosting? Yeah, um, I think my favorite part of the season has just been seeing the common threads that have really organically risen up in each conversation. I think this is something that Grace and I have spoken about many times. Just every time we record an episode, we're always like stunned that we can be talking about so many different topics like mental health advocacy, you know, communication, just different identities, you know, financial awareness. And we still keep coming back to like certain common themes that just really, I think, are like the foundation of self-awareness and sort of the foundation of our season. So I'm definitely super excited for our listeners to be able to follow that thread from the beginning of our season to the end. Yeah, similarly, I think that that's also something I like really valued from our conversations. Um, one of the sort of common threads that really stuck out to me and was sort of, it was um, illuminating um, was how often self-awareness gets siloed as a sort of individual endeavor. Whereas obviously increasingly we are coming to realize that like communities and like community care is part of what, you know, what makes our self-awareness work it's part of why we like need to be self-aware um and also you know there is you know one of our um sort of conversations we talk about this sort of um privilege of trying to be yourself is often only possible if you have like a supportive um community but yeah they the all of the conversations were so illuminating i took a lot from the advice from our our guests um, over the course of the, um, over the course of the season. I just wanted to thank you both so much, uh, for talking with us today and sharing your thoughts on management and leadership and linking that with the self-awareness season. I think it's going to be really great. Um, and I'm excited to see what guests you brought too. Thanks for the good work you've done. It's been wonderful to chat with you both today. Thank you for having us. Oh, it's nice it's nice speaking with you guys.